Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ciao. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. We're delighted you've joined us to learn more about fertility and the latest research from highly respected and experienced experts within the industry. My name is Stephen Fleming, and I'm the Director of Embryology at Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions. We've chosen today to discuss the role of in vitro maturation, or IVM, in oncofertility, as it's a relatively recent and innovative approach to fertility preservation for patients who are obliged to undergo gonadotoxic chemotherapy for various forms of cancer. Rob, should the medulla be considered as a valuable source of material in addition to the cortex? And what are the key factors for successful recovery of oocytes from ovarian tissue? Yes, uh, the medulla should certainly be considered. So uh, the ovary really consists of two regions, um, the ovarian cortex, which contains the primordial and primary and very, very small growing follicles, and the ovarian medulla, which is the centre of the ovary, which contains the larger antral follicles. So traditionally, when we do uh, an ovarian uh, tissue freeze for cancer patients, we would collect the ovarian tissue or the ovaries and dissect it and just simply target the ovarian cortex and largely ignore the rest of the ovary because it's the ovarian cortex that contains the primordial follicles. So normally in this process, the oocytes that are that are in the follicles that are in the medulla are discarded. And, you know, I see this almost as a sin. These oocytes um, are, are perfectly good. In fact, they have much higher uh, potential to generate a pregnancy than the oocytes in the primordial follicles because they are further advanced, of course. So the idea of collecting oocytes from antral follicles in the medulla is perfectly compatible with collecting the primordial follicles in the ovarian cortex. So the two actually go hand in hand. They are two separate collection techniques. So you, you need embryologists that actually concentrate on each of the two procedures. Um, one that focuses on the preparation of the ovarian cortex for cryopreservation and the other embryologist or, or, or embryologists that collect uh, the rest of the ovary and search for um, cumulocytes complexes or follicles. So what, the way this is done is that firstly, when the ovary is um, collected um, and the ovarian cortex is dissected off, the first thing to do is to look through the dish um, and look for compact cumulocytes complexes. Now, this is different to looking for CRCs and an oocyte pickup because the cumulocytes are not expanded. These cumulocytes complexes are very small and they're compacted. But for any embryologists that have the opportunity to look for these uh, from, from animal ovaries, well, the procedure is identical. So it's very useful to have training in collecting compact CRCs from um, any animal ovaries. And um, those oocytes need to be processed rapidly, preferably. So that means that you need to work quickly and those CRCs need to be kept warm. So this is one area where the ovarian tissue um, collection as opposed to the ovarian medulla might differ because ovarian tissue cryopreservation, the tissue processing is normally done cool, 
whereas collecting CRCs from antral follicles should be done warm. Um, the second thing that needs to be done is there are usually chunks of ovarian tissue after it's been um, uh, processed crudely, and that ovarian tissue should be further dissected, so simply um, torn apart with a pair of forceps, and usually then you can identify small antral follicles that are um, maybe half a millimetre up to maybe four millimetres. And rather than trying to aspirate those follicles, it's worthwhile simply trying to puncture the follicles in vitro. So the idea is you move them to a clean part of the dish, you pin down the piece of tissue, um, and you use a very fine needle, something like a, an insulin need, needle, to puncture the follicle and then squeeze out very gently the contents of the follicle um, into the dish and then collect the compact COC. Um, and using this procedure, um, you can collect a considerable number of immature oocytes. Of course, it depends on the quantity of tissue that's received um, and also the obvious things such as the age and health of the patient. So the younger the patient, the more likely you are to get a large number of CRCs making um, this procedure called ex vivo IVM uh, viable. Whereas if you have a small piece of ovarian tissue or the patient is um, relatively old in reproductive terms, then the yield of oocytes will be substantially less using this procedure and may not in fact even be worthwhile doing. Thank you, Rob. Uh, you did touch on this previously, Michelle, but um, in the event of a patient presenting, let's say with a, an ovarian tumour, is this a dilemma for the clinician? And in particular, how do you mitigate the risk of reintroducing ovarian cancer to the patient? Yes, so women with um, a malignant ovarian tumour are really a, a challenge because if you cryopreserve the ovarian tissue, you already know beforehand that years later you will not even be able to transplant the cryopreserved ovarian tissue because of the risk of reintroducing ovarian cancer. And um, current technology does still not allow us to isolate um, cancer-free uh, tissue, um, so tissue that does not carry the risk of reintroducing cancer. Um, so the only thing we can we can do to help these women with a malignant ovarian tumor is to obtain oocytes and cryopreserve oocytes. So there's two methods how, uh, where, um, to, to do this. One would be uh, when a patient has a malignant ovarian tumor is to stimulate the ovaries with hormones, just a typical ovarian stimulation of uh, more or less 10 to 14 days, and then at the end of the simulation, trigger ovulation to obtain mature oocytes, but don't obtain the mature oocytes by transvaginal puncture, because that's a very um, riskful um, um, endeavor, because you would risk to, um, to have cancer cell spillage when you perform a transvaginal uh, collection. So you, you would have to remove the ovary, and when you remove the ovary, you would be able to um, collect mature oocytes from the, um, from the ovulatory follicles after stimulation and cryopreserve those oocytes. On the other hand, if there is no time uh, for ovarian stimulation, you would then remove the ovary um, from the body of the patient without um, hormonal priming, so without ovarian stimulation. And then you would be able to um, dissect the, um, the tissue, so try to um, separate 
the um, ovarian tissue that looks uh, invaded uh, macroscopically from the tissue that does not look invaded and then start um, dissecting the tissue and um, try to identify um, cumulus oocyte complexes that um, that are that that can be derived from from the um, tissue processing so the tissue will probably not be be um, be, be cryopreserved because um, that tissue will contain malignant cells, but the oocytes can then uh, mature in vitro. So that's um, ex vivo IVM for women with um, ovarian um, involvement of, of cancer. So two different approaches, um, but still um, very tricky. We found in, in some of our patients with ovarian cancer that in, in many of these cases, it is very hard to um, identify um, oocytes that um, that can be matured in vitro because of the gross involvement of um, of malignancy in the ovaries. If there's only limited involvement, then you have a higher chance of um, recovering immature oocytes. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 a very that's probably one of the hardest um, um, indications for fertility preservation when the ovary is um, is involved. On the other hand, there is another. Um, subset of um, ovarian tumors, which is called a borderline malignant tumor. So that's um, a, a, an ovarian tumor um, that is malignant, but without um, in invasiveness, so without invasive uh, potential. And in these women, fertility preservation is also um, recommended because um, these women have um, um, a high risk of um, tumor recurrence, and they have a high risk of um, the need for removing uh, the ovary when the ovary is really um, um, involved, is, is, is really invaded uh, by, by the borderline tumor, and you have to do repeated surgery. So there is a high risk of um, losing the ovarian uh, follicle uh, potential and in these women, we, um, we are more commonly um, able to uh, perform ovarian stimulation of the um, non-invaded ovary, where we have to um, remove the, the other ovary when the other ovary is, um, is invaded by tumors. So borderline ovarian tumors and, um, and inv invasive um, ovarian tumors are two different entities, where I would say that borderline tumor is more amenable uh, for fertility preservation than um, really um, invas in, in invasive ovarian tumours. Yeah, tough situation indeed. Uh, Rob, does the IVM process differ in any way when combined with ovarian tissue cryopreservation? And what's necessary to achieve full developmental potential of oocytes? So from the uh, embryologist's point of view, uh, IVM... Um, so ex vivo IVM, when we're doing, combining it with ovarian tissue cryopreservation, really is no different almost to um, standard IVM. So when we do IVM for uh, infertility treatment, say, for example, from PCOS patients, we receive the oocytes in a tube that contains debris from the follicle. Whereas when we're doing, um, and, that, and those compact COCs need to be found, um, and that's a different search procedure that's used compared to IVF. Um, whereas when we're collecting oocytes from dissected ovarian tissue, uh, we need to 
also find the COCs in amongst ovarian debris, of which there is much more. Um, but nonetheless, the procedures are basically the same um, and the handling of the oocyte thereafter is identical. So there is no substantial difference. Any clinic that can, that can do clinical IVM can also do IVM for fertility preservation um, ex vivo, so ex vivo IVM. Um, it's very, very similar. Well, the skills are the same and, of course, the actual maturation process itself is identical. So coming to the second half of the question, um, what is necessary to achieve full developmental potential of oocytes from IVM? Well, this is the million-dollar question. This is a really tough one, and there's no easy answer to this. Um, so this is something that, of course, uh, scientists um, and, and IVM clinicians have been working on for a long time, um, trying to improve the developmental potential of oocytes. And this is, this is a, a very extraordinarily difficult um, uh, thing to try to improve. So in, let me try to answer it as best I can. So the developmental competence of an oocyte refers to its inherent capacity to be able to support uh, fertilization, embryo development, and to establish a pregnancy, knowing that the quality of a blastocyst of an embryo is highly dependent on the quality of the oocyte, which of course therefore links into the chances of it, of it generating a pregnancy. So oocyte developmental competence is acquired in the ovary, in the follicle. So in some respects, the quality of the oocyte is dependent on the quality of the follicle that it comes from. So this may be affected by its stage of development or its state of atresia or its state of dominance or indeed, of course, the health of the patient herself. So, for example, oocytes from small follicles have poor competence, whereas oocytes from large follicles have higher competence. So, in one, in one respect, developmental competence is inherent to the oocyte. Um, so, the objective in one sense of IVM is to try to preserve the developmental competence that it has. That is to not insult the oocyte in vitro. So this means that we need the best possible culture system that we can have. And that means, for example, probably most importantly, that we need to um, maintain the integrity of the uh, connection with the oocytes support cells, the cumulus cells. So this is incredibly important for IVM. And this is why culturing denuded oocytes is a waste of time. Um, these oocytes are supported and nurtured during the mitotic maturation process by the cumulus cells. So we need the best possible conditions we have there, and really there are many, many, many different variations on, on uh, what culture system can be used to try to improve IVM. By and large, we have to say that this has been a long, hard road with minimal success, um, but we are improving this process slowly. So that refers to the inherent developmental competence of the oocyte. Sort of the bigger question is, can we in fact improve developmental competence in vitro? So that's a very big ask. So what we're saying here is that we're taking an oocyte from a smaller follicle or a poor quality follicle, say, for example, a follicle that's undergoing atresia, maybe halfway through the atresia process, putting it in vitro, and then the objective is to actually improve its quality. Now, this can be achieved because we know that when we give a patient or um, an animal, in fact, a little bit of FSH, we can improve the quality of the oocyte in vivo. 
So this means that we should be able to mimic this in vitro, or at least to try to replicate this a little bit in vitro. And indeed, this is the new approach that we are attempting with IVM, which I think we'll come to later on in the conversation. But that's um, one way in which we hope to be able to not only retain the inherent developmental competence of the oocyte, but potentially be able to enhance it. And that's potentially very significant for the success rates of IVM. So I hope that answers your question to some extent, Steve. It's a very difficult question. And it's also, I have to say, as a, as a scientist myself and as an oocyte biologist, trying to understand what constitutes oocyte developmental competence and how you can measure it has been a very, very substantial challenge for most of my career. So it's not easy. Thank you, Michelle and Rob, and thank you to everyone who has tuned in to this episode of Fertility Insights. Please like, share and comment, and make sure to tune in to our next episode when we will be continuing this discussion on IVM in oncofertility with Professors Michelle DeVos and Rob Gilchrist. <laughs>